We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of a Pack a Day podcast. Wherever you may be, and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Vic Schmitz, and I'll be your host on this Sunday, January 29th championship Sunday for the NFL another year without Green Bay being in the final four but um, you know at least there's still football on and uh, we're down to the final three games two games today AFC NFC championship game then you got the Super Bowl and then it is a long six months with no football so you got three games left enjoy the hell out of them unless of course you don't want to that's totally fine if the Packers aren't you know some people if the Packers aren't playing they're not watching if you're one of those people that's fine but I love football I'm gonna miss it when it's gone and um so just enjoy it and uh you know hopefully 2023 is a better year for the Green Bay Packers but um we have a special guest tonight or today I should say on the Sunday episode uh Jacob Westendorf joining me from Monday's Packaday podcast crew and uh, Jacob, welcome to the Sunday show. Normally, we're you know we're previewing the Packers matchup, but uh, given that 
you know, Green Bay's not playing. Um, we don't really have any Packers stuff to preview, but uh, we got a couple of things that we'll talk about today. Uh, we'll get into some of the championship Sunday stuff, but uh, one quick topic we decided that we kind of wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, I think most people find it to be garbage. Um was the uh, clip of Romeo Dobbs going around the internet earlier this week of him saying that, uh, you know, he didn't hang out with Aaron Rodgers at all this year. And I will be the first to admit, I saw the clip was on Twitter. I didn't listen to the actual clip. I just read kind of the synopsis of it. So I don't know the inflection, the tone. I don't know how the question was, you know, asked of Dobbs. Um, I know, Jacob, you've got some thoughts on it. I have some thoughts on it without actually having heard the context of it. But something tells me that this was a question posed to him. And as a rookie player, I don't think he meant anything negative by it, and it put him in a bad situation. Maybe I'm wrong, Jacob. You've actually listened to the clip. I know you got some thoughts on it. So I'll, I'll let you have the floor real quick and just kind of discuss that. I know it's not a big deal for a 40-year-old quarterback not hanging out with his 22-year-old rookie wide receiver yeah it's dumb uh and i am more than willing to criticize aaron Rodgers for a lot of things when he went on mcafee show and basically criticized the receivers and then said the whole like oh i actually graded out as having my best game of the season i think it was after the washington game where they blew a lead and i didn't i mean i'm just me so who the hell am i to say anything but i didn't think he played particularly well and the offense as a whole didn't play but i i didn't appreciate that from him. And we learned subsequently that other players did not either. That sparked a war between John Kuhn and Peter Bukowski, which was entertaining if nothing else. Um, but it's dumb. Like the question was asked, that's fine. Like he doesn't hang out with Rogers outside. Like they went to work and they do, they cover the things they need to cover at work. But like Rogers is 40 years old. Like Romeo Dobbs is in his mid twenties. Like, I'm 31 and I don't like hanging out with teenagers. That's the same level of, you know, age difference, obviously vastly different. If I'm hanging out with, you know, teenagers, that's probably not appropriate, but sure. There's some differences that Aaron Rodgers is, uh, you know, the quarterback. And is that the good thing from the quote unquote leadership standpoint? Maybe, but you know, I think it's a bigger deal. Like if we want to have discussions on things that matter, it's a bigger deal that Rodgers doesn't show up to off season activities basically showed up, I think last year to one day of mini camp, maybe two, you know, and then going into a year where you have a brand new receiving core was that smart, but do they hang out outside of work? I don't think that's a big deal. Um, obviously the Packers have been here before Brett Favre was doing that with some of his younger receivers at that time frame. It's just not, it's, it's dumb. And it feels like it's a way to try and paint him in a certain light, which trust me, if you want to paint Aaron Rodgers in a negative light, there's plenty of material to do that. Some you guys can argue isn't legitimate. That's fine. You know, I'm not here to argue about 12. I, I think my criticism of him is fair, but I'm also willing to defend him as you guys can attest to here. It's not a big deal. It's nothing like to be like this huge. It got this huge storylines on every single talk show. And some of this is certainly a byproduct of having to have, you know, we have these hour, two hour, three hour daily shows that are built around having strong opinions, takes. Well, you can't do that. And like, this is boring, me telling you it's not a big deal. Like it's, but it isn't, you know, this is the same sort of stupid that we got to with the whole, 
oh, Aaron Rodgers only cares about winning the MVP. But like 10 minutes later, he says, of course, he wants to win a championship. Of course, that's why he's coming back. And I do believe he will come back and play football this season. I don't know where yet. But yeah, it's dumb. It's annoying. We've reached peak stupid of off season. And, and I can say that because we had a, a reporter saying like, for the Jets next year, maybe it'll be Hackett, Rodgers, and Odell Beckham. Nobody said a word about Odell Beckham in a while, so I guess we got to throw that name in there as well. But it's January 28th as we sit here and record this, and we've reached peak stupid, it feels like. I, I shudder to think of how this could get dumber, knowing that it probably will. Well, yeah, it, it most certainly will get dumber. And, I mean, yes, like, I don't know what the expectation is. Like, is Aaron Rodgers supposed to invite all the rookies over to his house, like every week for a meal? Like, I was gonna I, say, and how often? Like, so, oh, he only did he only did it once. He only hang out with Romeo Dobbs once, and it was the beginning of the yeah, season. Like, what, exactly. What's what's the threshold? Like, at what point is the threshold in which we say, all right, he cares enough to you know about you know his his teammates? And and I will say too, just because, like, there's also, mind you, so Aaron Rodgers is one of 53 guys on the roster. So is he required to hang out with all 52 other players? What about his coaches? Like, does he not care about his coaches if he doesn't hang out with them in his free time? Like, again, it's the, it's what is the threshold? And, and I know the argument is, well, he's a new receiver and Aaron Rodgers has to build rapport with his receivers. Great. I didn't, I just, yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. It, it's silly. I will, I will in say that, this on that front. More is expected of the quarterback. That is just how it works. Oh, but, sure. But I don't think this is part of it. Cause like, like we kind of hashed, is he supposed to, and then what? He only, he only hangs out with his receivers once a week. They only hang out on their off days on Tuesdays. Should they be together on Fridays and Saturday? Like just, it's stuff that doesn't matter. Like uh, if Rogers hangs out with Dobbs for our, once a week, are they nine and eight instead of eight and nine? Probably not. Like that's just the reality. Uh, yeah, hard to hard to believe it makes a difference. So, well, that's the uh, that's the hot button topic that we can now move on from. Uh, the The main course for this show, though, uh, I, we kind of decided, Jacob, that you know it's Championship Sunday. Packers aren't in in it, obviously, and so I we thought it might be kind of an interesting topic to take a look at the remaining two NFC teams, the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And kind of take a look at both of those teams and see what Green Bay can kind of learn from them. These are the, I mean, they're one and two seed respectively in the NFC. Um, I don't think you would get much argument from anyone that they are currently the top two teams. It's not like, you know, one of these two teams locked into a higher seed and really, you know, maybe aren't the first or second best team in the NFC. They clearly are built really well, both sides of the ball. Um, and so Jacob, let's start with the 49ers. I mean, you know, there's the 49ers have been a thorn in green Bay side. It seems ever since Aaron Rodgers has taken over as the quarterback for the Packers, whether it be regular season or postseason, for sure. In the postseason, considering Rodgers has not beaten the 49ers in the postseason. Um, but looking at this 49ers team, I mean, obviously really solid on defense, They've got really good playmakers on offense, uh, but Brock Purdy, who is literally Mr. Irrelevant, is playing, at least from this year's perspective in the short sample size, 
it seems like he's playing better than Aaron Rodgers. Now there could be, there's several different factors for that, but I mean, the, the Packers and the 49ers run similar offenses and yet one team is what? 13 wins and the other one. I mean, eight. they're playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Like that's, I think it was what, three out of four years now, the 49ers have played for, for the Correct. NFC title. Um, they're really well built. Uh, they're, they're well coached. Although I do have some takes on Kyle Shanahan, which I will toss out after the Eagles win on Sunday, but that's another story that we'll get to here in just a minute. D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach somewhere. It sounds like very soon. Their team identity is very specific. You know, toughness defines these 49ers. They have the best defense in the NFL. They've had the best defense in the NFL. And this is a team who, you know, a couple of years ago, they had Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator and were the best defensive team in the NFL. And now they have Ryans and again, still the best defensive team in the NFL. Now, why is that? There's a lot of reasons. Like, is Rashawn Gary as good as Nick Bosa? No, like we have not seen that in the NFL. And I love Rashawn. I think he's one of the best players. Uh, he is probably the best player in this Packers defense, but Nick Bosa is very good. Eric Armstead, uh, Fred Warner, they've got playmakers all over the place and they rally They're physical. They attack the ball carrier and they attack the football. They fly around on defense. They take it personal when another team gets a first down against them. I think there's some mentality stuff there. And I think there's some roster stuff there uh, as well. On the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned Brock Purdy. And I think that's where, I had an article for Packer Report that came out earlier this week, basically on this topic is what can they learn the Packers from these two teams? The thing about the Niners is, you know, what was that old, was it the Staples commercial where they had the easy button? Um, now I'm not saying yep. things are quote easy for Brock Purdy credit to him for doing the things that he has been able to do, but that's kind of part of it. You know, when the Packers hired Matt LaFleur, the goal was to make things easier for Rodgers because this is supposed to be a quarterback-friendly system. You guys will hear that phrase 10 million times once Jordan Love or whoever the next quarterback is takes the reign under uh, Matt LaFleur's offense. It's supposed to be quarterback-friendly. The whole purpose is supposed to be having that system in place and also with Rodgers, the ability for him to be a superhero, which he is, and he still is capable of doing that. Uh, even in a year where he had a down year, you guys have seen moments where you're like, okay, that's superhero big time number 12, you know, the throw to Mercedes Lewis in Miami is one of the first ones that comes to mind or something like that. He's still capable of doing those things, just not every play on a down to down basis. Like he was in his 2020 MVP season or his 2014 MVP season or, or something like that. Um, I think the thing with the Packers and where they failed was they trade Devonte Adams and you could talk about the Devonte thing and how he didn't want to be here and all that stuff. And that's fine. Um, the problem that Green Bay had was their plan coming into the year was veteran Sammy Watkins, who wasn't particularly useful, Al Lazard and Randall Cobb, who are role players, and two rookies. Like the goal, and Gutekunst basically said it in his press conference afterwards was, you know, the quarterback's more important. We think he can elevate those players around him. And he can. I still think Rodgers can do that. And I think he did do that at times during the season. But that's a really tough way to plan for a 38 going on 39, he turned 39 in December year old quarterback. And with the 49ers starting Brock Purdy or name your third string quarterback on any other team should be a death sentence. They should not be playing in the conference championship game. As soon as uh, Garoppolo went down, I basically wrote the 49ers off. I was like, yeah, they might be able to beat a bad NFC team or something like that, but they're not going to win 
you know, anything special this year. And now there's a lot of people that think they're going to beat the Eagles on Sunday. I am not one of them, but I, they certainly can. And it's because they have these two teams, in my opinion, in the NFC are the two best rosters in football. And one of the biggest reasons is because you look at Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings is like fine, but even still fine as your third receiver. That's a good spot for the Packers to be in. And Purdy can just kind of get them the ball and watch him go. You know, there's, there was a touchdown that they scored against Seattle where he threw a five yard pass to Debo Samuel and it turned into a 55 yard touchdown. Like the Packers don't have that other than Christian Watson. That is it. So this is a weapons thing. This is a quarterback and coach not being on the same page thing. There's a lot of, of things going on, but I think it starts with the roster. And this is where I have said it is not just the weapons. I do think Aaron Rodgers played poorly this past year, regardless, uh, poorly by his standard, of course, regardless of who the weapons were, but they also weren't good enough. You know, when it comes to Green Bay's offense, if you told me that Green Bay came out of the draft in the first three rounds and picked a receiver and a tight end, and then their fourth round pick was a running back, be like, yeah, that was needed. Like Green Bay doesn't have enough. Romeo Dobbs is a nice player. Alan Lazard is a nice role player. Randall Cobb is a nice role player. Christian Watson looks like he could be a star. But even still, their tight end position, there's nobody on the team that can do half of what George Kittle does. And then you add in that, you know, like I mentioned, I don't love Kyle Shanahan, but he's a better coach than Matt LaFleur. I think that's certainly borne itself out over the last what, three years? He's eliminated him twice in the playoffs. Frankly, kicked his ass one year, and then this past year is just annoying. But, I mean, even still, the 49ers are a very well-built organization, and I'll talk a little bit more about you know how they've built their roster and how they build their roster kind of moving forward here. But I think that's the biggest thing is getting – they get their young quarterback in positions to succeed, and on the defensive side of the ball, it's not this passive – mentality kind of thing they have dogs on that side of the ball and they're not gonna say the you know the mentality in green bay on defense for years has been well let's just hold them to 20 and aaron Rodgers will win the game for us well the niners are like we're gonna hold you to zero and you're gonna like it like that's how we're gonna work on the defensive side of the ball so that's how you know there's a lot of different things they can learn from the 49ers but i think those are the two biggest ones yeah absolutely and i mean you know the whole quarterback situation you know, that's been a, a debated topic since Matt LaFleur has been in Green Bay is, are we seeing Matt LaFleur's offense? Are we seeing Aaron Rodgers' offense? Or are we seeing a mesh of it? Um, you know, we'll never truly know the answer to that question, uh, it feels like. But, um, you know, a lot of times it does feel like when you watch the 49ers play and when you watch the Packers play, they're supposed to be similar offenses, and yet for whatever reason they don't look the same. They look very different. Um, but, yes, talent, you know, obviously the 49ers, they've had great defenses, it seems, the last 10, 15 years. So that's not really a surprise. But, uh, yes, talent definitely, um, you know, major difference between the two teams. And then the Eagles, I mean, you know, they have a young quarterback as well, Jalen Hurts, who, I mean, admittedly, this has been his coming out year. Last year, he was the full-time starter. They were the seventh seed. Um, they got absolutely crushed in the playoffs by the by the Buccaneers. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, I don't know 
maybe Jacob, you feel differently. I know obviously you have a little bit more ties to the Eagles um, than most people uh, listening to this podcast do. But if you had told me at the beginning of the year, the Eagles were going to be the one seed and the 49ers were going to be the two seed, I would have told you sounds correct that the 49ers are good enough to be the two seed. I would not necessarily have guessed. I would probably have scoffed at the idea of the Eagles being the one seed. So, um, is it really that surprising for someone like you who's got, like I said, more ties to it that the Eagles are this good this year? And what separates the Eagles from the Packers? I mean, they played each other this year, um, you know, ran all over Green Bay's defense. You know, they gave up, what, 30, 33 points, 33 points to the Packers' offense. Oh, um, but, um, you know, and I mean, Green Bay gave up 41. So, you know, obviously that game was – you know, Aaron Rodgers started, Jordan Love finished, um, you know, a couple of different things you could discuss there. But, I mean, is it a surprise that the Eagles are this good? And what what's making them this big of a turnaround from the seventh seed to the one seed? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, every year I do my uh, regular season division winners, all that stuff. My NFC championship game was 49ers and Eagles. Uh, The reasoning for that was I kind of bought into the NFC I thought was like wide open because I was like Green Bay is going to take a step back without Devontae. Uh, the Rams, I didn't think were going to be as good this year coming off a Super Bowl, like just all that sort of stuff. Kind of, I mean, I don't need to take you through. I didn't think Tampa Bay was going to be as good with Brady kind of deciding, yeah, I want to play. No, I don't want to play. So I bought into quarterback upside uh, and the reason. So I picked the Niners thinking Trey Lance was going to be a stud. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. And the Eagles, uh, I bought into Jalen Hurts. And some of that was because of the way they finished last season. But the biggest thing with the Eagles – They are, and I've said this probably a thousand times this year, they are the best team in the NFL on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football collectively. Their offensive line, Matt LaFleur mentioned them by name several times during the year as the best offensive line in football. I mean, Jason Kelsey, 
Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, those guys are all legitimate studs. Uh, Jason Kelsey is one of my favorite players in, in all of football, my favorite of the Kelsey brothers, uh, certainly, which isn't to say I don't like Travis Kelsey, but I love Jason Kelsey. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I've talked about this on this show and anybody who's willing to give me a platform and let me listen. The Eagles backup pass rushing unit is better than Green Bay starters, or at least it's a conversation with Green Bay starters and their pass rush is nasty. They have 70 sacks this year. They have four players with more than 10 sacks. Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, uh, Hassan Reddick, and uh, Josh Sweat. All of those guys had more than 10 sacks this year. Hassan Reddick isn't going to win the award, but he's a defensive player of the year type of candidate. Just they are able to rotate guys in and out. And then in the middle of the year, they added Jordan Davis to that defensive line this year. He didn't have as big of an impact because he's buried behind some of the guys that I just mentioned. Um, but also – during the year, they're struggling stopping the run. So Howie Roseman goes out and signs Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue. And that is where I mentioned the line of scrimmage, and I don't want to gloss over that because I think in this day and age of gambling and fantasy football and all that stuff, we focus so much on the receivers and, and running backs and players that can do stuff. And the Eagles are certainly very good with stuff like that too. You know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. But the line of scrimmage is where – they are making their hay and that's where they've done it all season. But with Howie Roseman, it's a 300, you know, Brian Gutekunst always says that roster building is 365 days a year. And that is true. I also don't think that he's been aggressive enough in building. And I'm not saying he's got to trade first round picks for players. I'm not saying they didn't do that or whatever, but I'm telling you how many times can you hear in a press conference, Brian Gutekunst says something like, well, we like the guys we have. We like the guys we have. I think the Packers are a little too nepotistic in how they build their roster, like their guy in-house versus potential veteran free agent stopgap type thing during the season. Will they add that guy? They've done it sort of in the past. You know, Whitney Merciless last year is an example of that. They didn't add anyone this year. I don't think they needed to. But, you know, 2020, last year, years where you think you have a legitimate Super Bowl team, yeah, I think the Packers could have done more to add to their roster and Howie Roseman, I think is he won executive of the year from the pro football writers association. I think he's the best I've, I've made the joke recently that the Packers next stock sale should be to get Brian Gutekunst fired and pay Howie Roseman's salary. Um, and that's not even, I don't love Brian Gutekunst, but like that's not meant to be disrespectful towards him. Just the way that Roseman, I think builds his roster is aggressive and is aggressive in admitting his mistakes. Uh, for example, Jalen Rager, first round pick, not working out. Roseman got rid of him. JJ Arcega Whiteside, second round pick, didn't work out, got rid of him. And got rid of him before the point. Like Amari Rogers, the Packers only cut Amari Rogers after it was so painfully obvious he couldn't play for them. So they got rid of him, but it took forever to do that. Now, I think that Roseman has done a really good job of not only adding veterans, but like I said, admitting mistakes. You know, first or second round pick in Green Bay, you probably get the opportunity to play out your contract. And I understand that to some degree, but there's also times where you got to understand, like, I don't care where we picked him. I don't care what we invested in him. You know, one of those mistakes was <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' contract extension. Are the Packers going to be willing to admit that mistake and move on from Aaron Rodgers? You know, I don't know. Um, it seems to look to be trending in that direction, but I can tell you, I know Howie Roseman did that. Traded Carson Wentz. They were like, we're going to pay him, you know, I think it was like a $40 million cap hit, very similar to what Rodgers' would be if they traded him. They're going to pay him that to play against him. 
and they did. And it's worked out because granted they're kind of fortunate from the standpoint of Jalen hurts being as good as he is. And Jalen is, uh, like I said, an MVP candidate, his ability as a passer and his growth as a passer this year is something I don't think even the biggest of optimists would have told you they believed in statistically the best quarterback from the pocket this season. That is massive growth from him. Some of it obviously is the weapons around him, but I think anybody, if you've watched the Eagles throughout the course of the season, to me, I don't think there's any question. I think this is the best roster in the NFL. And I think that that is why it's going to show on Sunday. I think the 49ers are the second best roster in the NFL, but I think the Eagles are going to win because they're just a little bit better in the most key spots. And the biggest one is the quarterback. So where can the Packers learn from there? Number one, Build those trenches on both sides of the ball because I don't think Green Bay is good enough on the offensive line or on the defensive line pass rush unit. And just be a little more aggressive with your roster building and letting guys go. Like it's not working out with Amari Rodgers. Let him go. It's it's not, it's probably not going to come back and bite you. And it really like it hasn't. He had that one catch that everybody on Twitter did a victory lap for, but otherwise, whatever. Like Amari Rodgers hasn't done anything since he left. And this isn't pick on Amari Rogers moment. That's not my point. My point is more just players like that. Darnell Savage. I don't think Howie Roseman would have picked up Darnell Savage's fifth year option. I think the Packers did because, well, this is the investment we made in him. We believe in him, you know, those kinds of things. I just think the Packers are a little bit too much. And Ted Thompson talked about this, God rest his soul before he passed away about how, you know, they like their own eggs. They like their own guys and green Bay does do that. And every team does to some degree but I think a little bit of a push in the other direction to kind of the way the Eagles do things could be a little more beneficial to this Packers team. Yeah. It does sometimes feel like green Bay is, it, it, it feels like sometimes they're too nice. You know, they I mean, are. no, they are. There's no, there's no question about that. I think, you know, who was it? Somebody said in Peter Bukowski was talking about how the Packers need somebody that's an MF or somebody that brings FU energy. Somebody was like, well, who was that on the, you know, who was that on the 2010 team? Well, number one, Mike McCarthy brought a little bit of that to some degree. Uh, Charles Woodson certainly did. Colin Jenkins, Desmond Bishop, guys like that. Somebody said Matt LaFleur brings Manny Petty energy, which you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking the, you know, if, if you're somebody who, who goes and gets those, I've personally never done that, but I, I know like what they're trying to say. And I, I do think there's a general softness to Matt LaFleur that kind of resonates with the rest of the organization. You know, there was a press conference last two years ago when Rogers was having his standoff with the team where like some people, it kind of looked like Matt LaFleur was going to cry at the podium when he was like, Oh, we want him back in the worst way. We want him back in the worst way. Like, which I understand, like that's an unprecedented situation. But when we're talking about like, Hey, whose offense are we running? Are we running 12s right. or are we running Matt LaFleur's that's on Matt LaFleur. It's not, that's not on Aaron Rodgers Cause everyone could say like, well, you know, 12, just audibles, everything at the line. It's like, well, he can't really do that. Like you can't just change the entire formation, the entire concept, the entire play, unless he's just flat ignoring what LaFleur's calling in the huddle, in which case LaFleur has to, for lack of better phrasing, grow a spine and say something. You know, Nick Sirianni is right. getting a lot of flack for like last week he was looking into the camera and kind of nodding his head a little bit as the Eagles are starting to dominate that game. I love his energy. I He ran up to the fans in Indianapolis after they beat the Colts and gave them high fives and he's yelling like, that was for Frank Reich, which obviously he was friends with Frank Reich. He used to be a coach in uh, Indianapolis as well. I don't, 
I think LaFleur is a good coach. I'm not trying to say he's not. But I do think, like you said, that that too nice situation, I think that's part of it. Yeah, and, and you know, and it, I do think it goes beyond just Matt LaFleur. Um, I, I think that it, it goes into the front office, um, you know, and clearly there's some issues there. But, um, yeah, it just, it just seems like Green Bay, um, again, too nice. You know, a, a perfect example – I, I know there's a lot of people that don't think Joe Barry should be back and it looks like he's going to be back. And a lot of that looks like, you know, I, and whether it's true or not, people will always point to the fact that, well, he and Matt LaFleur are friends. And well, so, here's the other thing too, not even just Joe Barry, because Barry's the popular one and coordinators are easy fall guys, right? You are an alleged Super Bowl contender before the season starts, and you finish eight and nine, losing your home turf with a chance to go to the playoffs. Somebody has to get fired, just surely out of principle. Somebody yeah. has to get fired. That is in my line of work. If I'm expected to do this and over a four month course of the season or the year, I follow fall painfully short. And granted, my line of work is not the same as the NFL. I know that, but I get written up. I get let go. I, you know, that's just how that works. If you are not good enough, somebody out of principle, even if it's just, oh, they, the, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the second best team in the NFC last week. They had a chance to win that game and they fired like five or six coaches. Bunch of teams mm-hmm. did that. Miami made the playoffs. They fired coaches. Tampa Bay made the playoffs. They fired coaches. Like finishing eight and nine and below average on, Average to below average on all three phases, and nobody gets not one person is let go. Right. It doesn't have to well, just be Joe Barry. It did not right. have to be Joe Barry. It could have been anybody. Well, and and it goes back to two a little bit. I, I don't remember who pointed it out, and I, I apologize for not knowing because I thought it was a really good point that Matt LaFleur, right after the season, in his it was I don't know if it was after the Lions game or the day after, um, he had a press conference where he said, you know, we have to really evaluate the organization from top to bottom. And then, you know, two days later was asked about Joe Barry. And, you know, he said, oh, you know, I don't, I don't expect to make any changes. And somebody pointed out, you know, we went from, you know, you know, evaluating this franchise top to bottom to nobody's getting fired very quickly, you know, and we're all good. Yeah. And, you know, it's things like that, that, you know, are frustrating, I think, to, you know, most of the fan base is that, you know, it's because, you know, and it goes deeper into, you know, you hear um, Gutekunst say, you know, oh, you know, we were in on the conversation, you know, whether it's true or not, at some point, some of these things come across as lip service mm-hmm. to the fans that, you know, these are just the things that we need to say from a PR perspective to to look good. And you can only do that so often before fans just start to say, "Yeah, it's, w- what's coming out of your mouth is crap." And yeah, you and need to see, a, and you need to see, you need you need to see action at some point. You, yeah, at some point you have to have the result, right? Like the in on the conversation thing. I do believe that's true, number one, and I do believe that wasn't necessarily a thing that was true when Ted was the general manager. But at some point, like I said, you have to close the deal. You know, that that's part of this as well as closing the deal. I know, you know, the AJ Brown trade was a very unique situation. And I understand that, you know, that was basically just the Eagles were the only team that was involved with a, with a trade like that. That's the way that's been reported by Jason Hirshhorn, but the Packers don't do stuff like that. You know, they're in a, and granted this year, 
with this season at the spot they were at at the trade deadline, certainly understand why they didn't add anybody and want to give up any draft capital. Can you imagine the state of this team if they gave up a second round pick, pick 45 for Chase Claypool? Maybe you can argue they wouldn't have pick 45. It'd be something different, but I, I'm okay with that. But when your team is really good, I've always been a believer of like this, any sport, football, basketball, baseball, you need to at the trading deadline, you are buying or selling one or the other, but standing pat, you cannot do that. I don't think, even if it means, Hey, we traded a sixth round pick for a guy who's only going to contribute on special teams or something like that in the NFL, you know, and, and what was it, 2019, they were good enough. 2020, they were certainly good enough. They didn't add anybody, you know, at some point, you got to know your opportunity to win. And the Packers, again, this is where we've talked about half measures and kind of trying to play both sides of the coin. Green Bay won't give up a third round pick for a defensive lineman because those draft picks are important for the future. But we're also going to shove all this money out, torture the salary cap and bring back Aaron Rodgers and, and do all these things because we're trying to win now. Well, you got to pick one. And I think that's something with the Eagles. They've certainly, like, like I said, the Eagles... Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, and Dominic Sue, Linval Joseph, all of those guys are slated to be free agents at the end of this season. But the Eagles, they were aggressive. They pushed their chips to the center. And I don't think Green Bay has done that enough uh, since Ron Wolf. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, um, you know, that's that's probably the, the best part of it. You got to be smart with it, but they haven't done it enough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't want this to divulge into too much of a let's beat up on the front office and the coaching staff. So we can uh, take this moment here to wrap things up, Jacob. Uh, you know, needless to say, Green Bay's got some work to do this offseason if they want to be where the Eagles and 49ers are at this year, uh, if they want to be there next year. So, um, you know, but uh, it gives you an idea of what separates Green Bay from from the top two right now in the NFC. So, um well, Jacob, let's wrap things up here real quick. Uh, if people want to follow you, get in touch with your work, how can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter um, at Jacob Westendorf. I write occasionally for Packer Report. You can follow me at Packer Report, usually on the Monday shows, trying to do as best I can um, to keep up with all that stuff. But I uh, also want to send a thank you to those of you that uh, reached out this week. Obviously, I, I don't need to rehash that. If you don't know, that's okay. But uh, not the best week in my lifetime um, for everything that's going on. So thank you for those of you that, that shared some stuff like that and uh, fly Eagles fly. All right. Awesome. And uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at producer Nick LB. Um, although as I've stated many times, um, not overly active on there. Although I did have a tweet uh, today about this Badgers basketball team just being so almost bad <laughs> that and that is a conversation for a different show and i know not everybody listening to pack a day you may be a packer fan and not give a lick about badger basketball but whoo they are not bad good and hard to watch like they're not even fun like i would say fun bad is like if you're gonna suck at least be fun they're not <laughs> yep. fun either yeah they are they are all sorts of I yes, you were right, Jacob. Who is the loop fickle for college basketball for this team right now? But um but yeah, producer Nick LB uh on Twitter there. Uh and that is about it. Otherwise you can find me here most Sundays uh pack day, usually with Jimmy and Gage. They are off this week. Um, but they should be back next week. So Jacob, thank you so much for filling in. I really appreciate it. Always good to chat with you. Uh, conversation is always a good one. So uh, enjoy the games tomorrow, everyone. And as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.